1: ¡Italiano! No.
0: What a weekend it was. Hello and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I am a very happy Connor Clancy, your host. I'm joined by Vito Doria. Not unhappy, but very tired, Vito, I think it's fair to say.
3: Yes, um, it's almost 7.30 in the morning here in Australia, but uh, just in general, I haven't been sleeping too much anyway. So
0: Look at that. For it's a not just minutes. the podcast. Great commitment to the pod, Vito. We're going to say that it's just the pod just for the sake of this. Um, we're also joined by someone who's doesn't look too tired, I mean, today. But, Kev, you're back. Hello, how are you?
2: Oh, well, I had a horrific oh, weekend, no. starting with uh, illness and then compounded by the UK broadcaster uh, choosing not to show three of the highest scoring Serie A games this weekend. I had, uh, I had my first COVID vaccine and then around midnight, uh, or as so I was, you know, 1am Saturday morning was having s- severe fevers so much that the wife decided to leave the bed because I was burning her. Yeah. I was there shivering and sweating and that continued throughout the day. And then I was drifting in and out of consciousness, just trying to re- capture sleep because I was then up from about 4am. It was. It was as bad as when I actually had COVID.
0: Really? Yeah. Of course, it just lasted. How long did it last? What, 12 hours?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was It was arguably better when I had it because it came on during the day. Whereas I had the jab about 10 a.m. in the morning and it was sort of 10, well, 12, 14 hours later Yeah. when suddenly the fever kicked in. but I think because it kicked in while I was trying to sleep and then it woke me up right. and then it made me sleep
0: deprived. Oh, it was just horrific. Yeah, two people in my family have had it as well, and they've said the same thing. It was like 12 hours after the job. So I think the best idea is to to get it at like 10 at night, if possible. So then you wake up the next morning to At least you get your good night's sleep in. And then by the time you go into bed the following day, you're sorted. So if, yeah. if your GP will organize for your second dose to be
1: yeah.
0: after hours, I'd fully <laughs> push you to take yeah. him up on that offer. But, well it's not, so
2: maybe I'll just stay awake for twelve hours or twenty-four hours and then just sort of you know, mend my uh, mend my sleeping patterns. Go.
0: Look, Kev, if that's what you want to do, who am I to tell you? Otherwise. I do enough of that. Sorry. Anyway, we've got some football to talk about and not too much happened at the top this weekend, but an awful lot happened at the bottom. So we are gonna start down there because Cagliari have risen from the Dead, And they've somehow managed to win three on the bounce after beating Roma over the weekend. And they are now, I'm saying this with a very big asterisk, but they are now out of the relegation zone. They are 17th in the Serie A table, level on points with Benevento, who are 18th. Um, But Cagliari have a minus 17 goal difference to Benevento's minus 29. Now, of course, if the season finished today, Cagliari will be relegated, Benevento will be safe because Benevento beat Cagliari 2 1 in their game in Sardinia when they first met this season. I believe it was in January. The second game between the two is on May 9th. So the head to head record isn't shown on the Serie A table until they've played twice. But Vito, Cagliari look like they are following in Torino's footsteps and doing the improbable, if not impossible.
3: They're starting to peak at the right time. They're finally getting good results. And they did have that uh, purple patch at one stage when Leonardo Semplici first came on board. But uh, they're getting that form back. And uh, it's good that uh, the key players like Noongelan and João Pedro, they're standing up. Um, always good, it's always good to have a fit of Oletti as well. But uh, I think all round... Uh, They've got a few players that are really sort of stepping up right now, putting in a good shift. and They're not um, relying too much on Kanyo to make the scores look embarrassing. Um, Cranio's still doing his saves, and the rest are helping Derby to actually make sure they get results. So the unlikely escape looks like it's on, and um, I think, uh, you know, at least now that uh, they've got Semblici on board, um, that has become possible because they held on to Di Francesco for too long and uh, it looked like uh, the nails in the coffin were almost in that one stage.
0: Yeah, but Vito, how much credit do we have to give to Semplici for forgetting about all that came before him? He came in with a really difficult job on his hands. He got those two wins early doors. Then there was a dip again and now they are just doing this at the right time and Semplici... He's doing what we hoped he would in Sardinia.
3: He sure is. And what we're seeing here is just um, trademark uh, simplicity at the moment. Uh, At Spal, he often just stuck to his 3-5-2 formation. He rarely deviated from that. And here at Cagliari, he's settled. Not only that, it seems that the players have also adapted to his tactics quite well. So that's... uh, a huge bonus. And, uh, uh, if we just go back to certain individuals again, um, having a player like Joel Pedro, his form in the last two years in particular has been very impressive. So when you get someone like Giovanni Simeone, uh, not scoring on a regular basis, you've got Joel Pedro, who's been quite prolific and, uh, I think we talked about it in a previous pod that now he's like the second greatest goal-scorer in Serie A as well. So, um, massive credit to the Brazilian there.
0: Yeah, he's he's such a good player. And we know, I've mentioned it on the pod before, but our Ben Hughes over in Calgary isn't really a Calgary fan, but he's kind of got that same thing for them as I do for Parma now, where he kind of is a fan without being a fan, if you know what I mean. And he... He adores Joao Pedro. I think he would probably kiss the earth that the Brazilian walks on. To be honest, he likes him that much. But Kev, it's it's very much come at the expense of other teams. Benevento are of course in the bottom three now with that asterisk again. Torino are also level on Caleri with thirty two, with thirty one points though they've played a game fewer. And then you've got Spezia on thirty three and Fiorentina on thirty four. Geno 136, Vito, you want me to say it, but they're probably all right. But there's a lot going on there, Kev, where, you know, someone could just fall in there. Ewan Burns wrote a piece for us after this Cagliari game saying it's dragged a lot of complacent teams into the scrap. And Spezia Benevento and Fiorentini, you would say, maybe two weeks ago probably weren't even giving too much mind to the concept of relegation.
2: Yeah, I think I think if you look just those in the immediate danger, Benevento have been dragged right into the relegation places. They face Milan next week away, um, which obviously makes that a huge game now for both sides. Easy three points they've for Wow, well, if they get that, and then they I think straight after that, I think they might face Crotone. Now, we saw what Crotone did to Parma this weekend, but that's got to be... If they ignore Milan, then that Crotone game has got to be the game where they get off to a win and try and build some momentum to keep themselves out of the bottom three. Whereas I watched um, the first hour of Torino-Napoli tonight before I started preparing for uh, Lazio-Milan. And Torino looked like they've they've had that shot in the arm, pulled themselves clear a little bit. But then midweek, they drew 1-1 with Bologna, a team where, you know, with that sort of little bit of momentum they had, you would have expected them to... If not win the game, but certainly perform a bit better, and then they were they were all over the place at times against, admittedly a very good Napoli side, but you know based more on performance than maybe the expected result they would get against Napoli. I worry whether they kind of get a bit too comfortable, where they feel like they're out of it. You know they maybe you know pick up newspapers, have people patting them on the back and saying well done, and 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 then suddenly you suddenly slip down and. With so few games and it's so close down there for things to change very quickly, you just want them really to keep that momentum up. And I just wonder if they're going to get it dragged back into it as well.
0: In the last few weeks, Fiorentina have put up a real fight against Atalanta. They lost to Sassuolo. Then they beat Verona and Drew with Juve. And we're sitting here talking about they might end up getting dragged into it because their form's not great at the end of the season. But it just shows that, that when those teams down the bottom start building that momentum anything other than close to perfect just very often isn't good enough so i'm gonna push you guys and i'm gonna get you to name me your your bottom three come the end of the season so at the moment as i said i'll read at the bottom five 33 points spezia and 15th bottom six uh 31 points 31 points 31 points Torino, Cagliari, Benevento. Uh, Parma 20 are 19th and Crotone with 18 points are 20th. I'll go first. I think Parma are going to finish bottom. I think Crotone will finish second bottom. And then the final relegation spot is, I'm sorry to say, probably going to go to Benevento. I think it's going to stay as it is more or less. Vito, who's your bottom three? I'll
3: say the same as you, to be honest. And the reason is form, and also I think compared to the other managers in the battle, I still think um, people in Zaghi probably isn't as experienced or has a game plan that's probably as well developed as the others. I see Spezia being safe. I think Vincenzo Italiano has been a revelation this season. Uh, Fiorentina, look, they've been terrible for most of it but they still have some good players that can save them like Dragan Rongovski um Vlahovic has been sensational um Ribery can turn things on at a moment and a few others like Castrovillian Bonaventura so even individually they can still do something if the collective still not enough and uh, Torino have improved a lot since Davide has taken over so um Beneventor Unfortunately, um, you know, if Inzaghi can't come up with a grand scheme at the last moment, or if the likes of Lapadula, Gauch or Caprari, Roberto Insigne as well, if they can't produce um, some top performances in the last uh, string of games, then I think they'll go down.
0: What do you think? It is Vito that's gone, gone stale almost at Benevento because they. Not so long ago, remember, they did get that win over Juve and they've put up some really good performances. There was also that game against Roma where they held Roma at home. They've they've gotten some big results this season, but just lately it has slowed down quite a lot. What do you put it down to? Is it just Inzaghi's not really got that Serie A experience just yet?
3: I think it's not just experience because he has had a few Serie A stints already. I think this level exposes his limitations as a senior coach. Uh, either With him, it's either you set up a team good enough to attack and then it's up to the individuals to create something. Otherwise, his teams will just park the bus. And uh, other than that, there isn't uh, anything over elaborate about his tactics as such. So um, I think between his depth or whatever, it is of his coaching, in addition to what, what Benevento have now in the squad, I think um, the limitations are now there to see. And that's a shame because in the first half of the season, though, they did look quite promising and it seemed like Benevento were going to be safe.
0: Mm, it absolutely did. It is a shame. Kev, who's your bottom three? Well, who's your third from bottom?
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, third from bottom and second from bottom, same as you guys, Palmer probably and then Quartone. Uh Just to be different and because I have a slightly more optimism for Benevento um, and probably based on the fact that I do think Calgary have got that momentum and they're not going to drop it, that Torino based on their performance at be third bottom.
0: Ah, come on. I thought when you were you were building up to this, I was expecting you to go for like a big Fiorentina drop or something. No,
2: no, I can't see uh, Fiorentina sadly. I think I will now. We're on week thirty four coming up. Actually, try and work out what I think the final table might look. (laughs) More
0: (laughs) More statistically, all right, fair enough. Well, we did put this out to our Twitter followers. Um, it was worded. I'm sorry, Cretoni and Palma fans, if there are any of you following us, but it was basically who joins those two in Serie B next season. And kind of went along with what we've said here, because 63% said Benevento. So, I mean, that's more or less two-thirds, which is what we've got on the pod. 19% said Cagliari, 11% said Torino, and then the remaining 7% went for Spezia or Fiorentina to go down as well. So, quite an interesting one. The I do think the Twitter followers... Like myself, um, just a little bit reactionary. So are in the bottom three now, yeah, they're going down, even though they're technically not in the bottom three because the league table is lying to you, Kev. Uh, I
2: I tend to think that that small percentage that think that it might be Fiorentina... From what I read on social media, they're probably all disgruntled Fiorentina, yeah. <laughs> Fiorentina fans as well. It's not it's not it's not rivals expecting Fiorentina to go down. They seem they seem to be some of the most pessimistic online fans. I mean, can you blame seen. them though? <laughs> no, you no, you can't blame them. Some of the mediocrity which they've had to sort of been been forced to sit there and suffer. And also they're sitting there and suffering it now. Um, you know, those that probably were used to be going to the stadium and at least you get something out of the the, you know the day out um oh, he, having to sit and suffer online now would be even more horrific it got
0: to the point i believe i think it was last season so the the season that was interrupted by the the pandemic which was 1920 and there i don't know why there was a couple of big games in in florence around the same time and i think it was like November december and january i was there for probably most of Fiorentina's games and I got to the point where I left one and I said, well, I'm not coming back here. I'm, I'm just not coming back here this season unless it's Atalanta or a, a game that means something somewhere. Because so often you're going there and it's just like the football was dire, like, absolutely dreadful. And the fans were just so, so negative and so miserable, but not in a way that was even funny. You know, it was just, I I was getting nothing out of it. Um, And then, obviously, I went to the Atalanta game, missed the first half because of Italia, And that was the only bit of positivity that Fiorentina had at home at a game I was at, was basically the first half of that game when Chiesa scored and they were winning a lot. But anyway, it wasn't to be. Um, Kev, you look like you want to say something.
2: Well, yeah, I was just wondering if it's like it is in the UK, where... um... Although admittedly, this is largely in the lower divisions where the people that would usually have season tickets, um, they kind of get this bonus, if we call it that, in inverted commas, have a free pass to watch the game streamed on the internet but yeah mm. I, I speak to some people and it's like no I don't want to watch Peterborough versus Leighton Orient <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, you know I just I can have a week off you know if I can't get to the ground but now they're giving me this free stream of my club that I hold a season ticket for but I don't actually want to watch that not not if there's something else I can do with two hours of my evening I do they still feel I of- have to
0: a lot of football fans hate their team, though, right? And I, I think that they hate it. That's just how their their love manifests. It presents itself as hate and complete disdain. I remember when when <laughs> I,
2: neither <laughs> of you are married, are you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I lived in Ireland permanently, just um, used to go to League of Ireland games every week, and so I used to go with my mate. I supported Bray Wanderers, and he supported Shamrock Rovers, who are basically like the biggest club in Ireland, and. We used to go to alternate games each weekend. So one weekend would be a Bray game. The next weekend, it would be a Rovers game. And I used to just hate going over to the Rovers games because it was just that they hate their football club. All of them. They cannot stand their football club. But then we found a couple of funny people to sit around. So we did that. And it was very much a different experience for me. My friend didn't like it all that much. But anyway... Let's shall we stop here, take a little break, get you in, and then come back and talk about some good football teams.
2: We we needed a segue into a club, a Serie A club that their fans hate them. Yeah, but we <laughs> went we the opposite already...
0: way, didn't we? Yeah. Um, no, th- there is another football club whose internet fans have been very negative lately. But I'm gonna go and talk to you and Burns about the Coppa Italia Femminile semi-final second legs that were taking place over the weekend, and they. produced a lot of excitement and a lot of goals and we'll be back after this to talk about things at the top Ewan, it's good to speak to you again, thanks for taking the time to come on and talk about the Coppa Italia Femminile semi-final second legs bit of a mouthful of that but (laughs) we were treated to two really, really good games, particularly the, the second of the two where Roma they technically lost to Juventus 3-2 but went through on away goals and they are now in their first ever Coppa Italia final. But what a game that was in Turin on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it, it was somewhat typical of Juve that they did actually still win the game <laughs> for a team that have won all that. They Just right at the very end, they just managed to nab a winner. <laughs> and, um, and literally, the final whistle went as soon as they'd scored the goal. Basically. They didn't get to kick off again. But it, it did reach a point that yeah. went in and you thought... They only need one more now. Slightly weirder things yeah. than this have happened if they just leather it forward from a kickoff. <laughs> but um, Roma did really, really well to, to to concede that goal when they fell behind and went one nil down. I thought, oh, well, that must be that then, because you know when when teams have already upset the odds to win the first leg like they did, and then you fall behind in the second leg, you you can't see them picking themselves up, but they did. Um, but I thought it was a bit unusual from Juve that. Considering the quality they got, they didn't sort of go for a kill when they went one-nil up. They seemed to let Roma come onto them, invited the pressure, and it was sort of inevitable that Roma were gonna score at some point. I didn't, didn't think they scored twice so quickly as they did. But I, I think Juve you know, let that slip a bit. I think it was theirs to win.
0: No, I'd agree with you. By the time I turned the game on today, I was it was already 1-0 to Juve. But from everything I saw, it was all Roma, like they were just, they were quite relentless, even when they were 1-0 down, and then when it was 1-1, I know there wasn't too much time between the two Roma goals, but when Roma got their first goal, they didn't let up at all, which you could have forgiven them for doing, but they just kept going, and going, and going, and it, it was quite nice, from our perspective, I know we kind of joked about it on Twitter that uh, Banušić came on and (laughs) then without actually doing anything, Roma (laughs) went from 1-0 down to 2-1 up within a couple of minutes and it was quite nice but touching on her, you kind of saw that mentality and that approach that she spoke to you about where they really do believe in themselves and they don't care who they're playing against, they're going out to beat everybody and You saw the celebrations after the game today and just the way they played. You wouldn't be surprised if they made a really serious push for the Scudetto next year.
1: Yeah, it it should be quite a fascinating insight into what they'll be like when they come up against Milan because um, obviously Milan are like the, by definition, second best team in that league right now. Um, And, you know, if if it was a normal league, they'd be winning it. But one one team have won everything they've played. But um, the. They, they play each other next weekend, actually, in the league. So it's going to be one of those weird cup finals that comes around every now and then where you get a sort of little taste of beforehand. Um, I've been digging I can't find the date for the final for some reason. I don't know if it's not been scheduled. It's May 30th. May 30th, right, OK. It, it's mm. So, yeah, it's about a month beforehand then. Um, but Roma do seem to be on this upward trajectory. And um, if, you know, say Milan beat them at the weekend, it, it might be a very different game. Come May thirtieth, because that group, especially in final whistle, they look really together. They, you know, like you say, they look fearless. They look like they they belong in a place where they can beat Juventus, and it will be fascinating next season to see if they can really run with it. Yeah, absolutely right. It's not just Roma playing in
0: their first final. Milan, of course, are in theirs too, having come from behind. In the second leg, they lost two one to Inter, which was, I believe, their first ever Derby della Madonnina loss. Although it's it's a relatively new fixture in the women's game, but they won the second leg four um, two. Natasha Dowie, England international, getting too laid on, and this was a little bit disappointing for Inter. Obviously, they are the underdogs in that derby, and Milan very much flexed their muscles in that one.
1: Yeah, it, it would have been a bit of a shock if Inter had. Managed to hold on to that because obviously both, both first leg results were upsets, but um, it it would have been surprising if Inter managed to hold on to that. And like I say, Milan very much turned up, when I think they went three 0 up, possibly four 0 up actually. Um, so they they really left left no room for Inter at all, Inter pulled one back very very late on. But it was it was never really going to happen, and that was the result you'd expect.
0: No, well I, I mean. It is going to be an interesting final, you did touch on it, but Milan, would you have Milan as favourites for that one, given that they're second?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, based on, you know, league position and general quality, you'd have to your money on Milan, but there's, there's certainly potential for Roma to win that, that final.
0: Almost feels like a waste of time asking you, but if we're just going to touch very, very quickly on the, the Serie A table... Juventus haven't lost the game this yeah. season. They're the first leg against Roma was the first domestic game for two years that they lost. Um, ultimately, it ended up knocking them out of the Coppa Italia, which is quite impressive from Roma's perspective. But the Scudetto
1: is you, guys. Yeah, yeah it has to be. I mean, you know, it, it does feel weird, like I said last week, that there's actually only six points in it, despite them winning every single game. But... Um, <laughs> But Juve and Milan don't play each other in the last four games. So, um, it, it unless this defeat somehow derails them, I really can't see how Milan are going to win the title. So, they're, they're, they're going to be all over the final.
0: No, you're, you're exactly right. And I kind of undersold it there by saying that Juve haven't lost the game. They haven't failed to win a single game. They've won <laughs> 18 from 18. and. I think you mentioned it last week on the pod or in your article where you said that Milan have won 16 out of 18 games. But of yeah. course, the only two games that they've not won, they lost to Juve. So yeah, yeah. What, what more can they do? <laughs> what more can they do? But um Ewan, thanks very much for taking the time to come on the pod and talk to us again. Looking forward to speaking to you again soon. Cheers, mate. Yeah, cheers. Goal! And we're back, and things at the top were, I mean, they weren't all that interesting, were they? Because not too much happened that is of note, except for the fact that the the top four looks quite a lot different to what it did a couple of weeks back. Inter, runaway leaders, 11 points clear. Second place now are Atalanta, who are holding on to that spot. They've kind of made it their own in recent weeks. Napoli are now third, Juve fourth, and Milan have finally dropped out of the top four. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the first time this season, Kev, they played against Lazio this evening, Monday evening, which is why we're recording a little bit late. You did the report for us on this one, and Milan got a spanking.
2: Yeah, they did, and they nearly went ahead, which which is really, really weird. When I sort of look back, because within 90 seconds of the opening, uh, Chalinoglu had a shot which Reina really well saved down to his left and then Lazio went up the other end and scored. But after that, for the first 25 minutes, it was all Lazio. Um, Milan were at sixes and seven. Hernandez at one point looked like he'd been rushed back too quickly from injury because he, a cross came over from Lulich, He headed it back towards the penalty spot. And Correa just volleyed it into the floor and it bounced over the crossbar. They were extremely lucky with that. And then um, maybe sort of seven or eight minutes later, Hernandez was completely free, had the ball at his feet, looked up, looked down, shuffled to his left, hesitated some more, was eventually closed down by Marusic. The ball broke to Correa in the box again, or laid off to Correa in the box again, and he fired wide. And it's like, what are you doing? They just looked like they were imploding when they still could have got themselves together. And um, they then nearly went beh- uh, two behind just before the break and five minutes into the second half. Again, they hadn't woken up like they didn't at the start of the first and Correa broke through, out-muscled Tamori. And um, to be honest, he was he was brilliant tonight all over the pitch. Uh, Correa, he was throwing himself about, making the runs in behind. Probably could have had a hat-trick. Gonna rumour tip one around the post, but yeah, Milan offered very very little. And there's uh if anybody was watching the game and saw um, the, the the camera turned to Mandzukic, who was sitting on the bed uh, on the bench after being um, substituted, he looked it was almost it, he he looked like the Milan team, you know, rabbit caught in the headlights. He just looked dazed and confused, and was just assuming it was. The fact that the uh, amount of running he had to put in almost on his own up top, um, given his age and that he's returned to fitness himself.
0: Lazio, and Napoli, Juve, Inter and Atalanta have all picked up between 40 and 46 points since the turn of the year. Inter and Atalanta, 46 more than anyone else in Serie A. Milan have picked up 32 in that same time, which is closer to Roma, Genoa, Sassuolo and Sampdoria's totals in that same time period, which, okay, we said at the time, Vito, that they were overachieving for the first half of the season, and when they had the odd slip, it was just the odd slip. But now, they're playing and getting the results of a a mid-table side, and Pioli's probably not going to come through this if we know that much about what Milan do he doesn't seem like he's got the answers to turn this around between now and the end of the season and if Milan don't get the top four having been winter champions it's not great is it
3: no it's very bad in fact it goes to show that um, Pioli once again he might be able to have a good season or two or get some good runs going But once that momentum's uh, gone, it's pretty much gone for good. So I'm really having doubts that he can uh, turn this form around himself because his track record suggests that. So um, there have been players, at least in the calendar year of 2020, that were really playing above themselves. Chalkinoglu, in particular, I remember, in the early stages of that year or when football returned after the the first lockdowns due to the pandemic uh, he was in sensational form but uh, you know it, it's not just uh, not having ibrahimovic there the team in general is not performing at the levels that it has been earlier in the 2020
2: 2021 season what should concern Milan fans is if you look at their last five games they've got benevento they've got calory They've got Juve and they finish at Atalanta, either at Atalanta or Atalanta at the San Zero, you know, irrelevant. How many points do you see him picking up from the, I can't remember who the fifteen is, unfortunately. But how how many points do you see see him pick up? You know, maybe three, four if they draw at Calgary. I wouldn't I wouldn't at the moment see them turning Juve over because they've Juve seem to have sort of put enough together now just to keep themselves in Champions League. I know you probably disagree with that slightly, Connor. But are Free falling and aren't haven't got anything on the horizon that looks like a, an, an easy couple of games even to get some momentum back up again.
0: What do I disagree with?
2: Um, the
0: fact that Juve will finish in the top four. I think I I'm sticking with what I've been saying for weeks. M- Milan yeah. or Juve will finish in the top four. The two of them won't because okay. they're stinking the place out at the moment. Napoli and Atalanta are ripping it up. Atalanta are finishing second. I've been saying this since. Fucking August, Atalanta are finishing second in Serie A this season. Um, Napoli have just done it at the right time, and yeah, Juve or Milan are not finishing in the top four. And it's if you're not a supporter of one of those two teams, it's going to be pretty funny for for different reasons. And look, come at me if you want, but it's going to be funny if you're you've got. <laughs> A thirty-nine-year-old clown playing for you. He's talking about being god, and you're you, you're the winter champions. You don't finish top four. That is funny. And if you've won nine Scudetti on the bounce, and you you sign a player who's who you then go on to make bigger than your own club to win the Champions League, and fail to even win Serie A, that's also funny. So don't get so sensitive about it, Juve and in, and Milan fans. It's funny if either of you miss out on the top four, particularly if it's at the expense of Atalanta or even Lazio to an extent, you know. But, Kev?
2: That other, that other fixture is Torino for me. Milan. Okay. So they've got three of the relegation battlers and two of the sides that are, are, are battling for Champions League places. They are not easy games. Well, not, e- not necessarily easy games, but they're not convenient fixtures that sometimes come along just when you need them to at the end of the season just to... As us get a win and build some momentum.
0: No, and the games that they're playing at home, you'd think should be bankers, right? But Milan's home form since the turn of the year, they're 15th. The only teams in Serie A with worse home form than Milan in 2021, Benevento in the relegation zone, Parma in the relegation zone, crotone in the relegation zone, Cagliari, kind of in the relocation zone and Verona who have who have declined dramatically since then and uh, uh, look I don't want milan to be dreadful but they just are it's not I'm not just putting this on them they are they have been terrible recently and particularly at home and Vito if they went into a game against Cagliari tomorrow you'd back Cagliari to do them
3: they've got the momentum now, so uh, why not?
0: (laughs) Absolutely right, particularly if it's at San Siro, which I think their game might well be. I believe they play each other at the San Siro. I think they played each other at the Sardinia Arena already because Zlatan has played there twice, I think, since he's come back. But I might be completely wrong on that. Um, Atalanta in the second, Kevin... They beat Bologna five nil, despite Bologna playing really well for the first fifteen minutes.
2: Yeah, this was one of those games that the UK broadcasters didn't. Oh, apologies. and it looked, it looked and, it looked, and it looked phenomenal. It was a lot, lot of highlights. fun. <laughs> Muriel was on it again, you know. But then that's just repeating what you know, just cut and paste out from one of the previous shows. I thought, oh, here comes my player of the week, and then you know, <laughs> didn't quite get his hat trick, which looked would have looked deserved. There was one time when he. He wriggled through three or four players yeah, into oh. the box and then and then I can't remember what happened. He hit did the post. Did, did, was it just said, oh, okay. And and yeah, when they're playing like that, you know, I'll, I'll be, because when I was, because I, I watched it directly before I watched Brino Napoli and then I, I look at sort of Duvan up front as well and <laughs> think of the money that Napoli spent on Osserman. And I think to myself, wow, could they have just took a punt and try and stole him away? Because you're probably getting for a much more value... For money than well, they, had him. they paid for Osserman. Yeah. But you know, could they have taken him back? Um but maybe it's because they you know they didn't want to go back, which although that isn't that's not something that uh Syria clubs can ever be no, accused no, of.
0: Exactly right. Um
2: but yeah, when they're sort of sticking five past people, they're probably
0: five different goal scorers sh- too.
2: Oh yeah, and it was a lovely little finish by Moranchik
0: as well, just mm. kinda it, was all, it looked effortless all of them. is how I'd probably describe it. All of the goals were very good. Every single one of them. You couldn't pick a bad one out of it. Vito, I know you want to talk about Malinowski and I will let you talk about Malinowski. But first, we've got to talk about the best striker in Serie A, Luis Muriel. He set two records during that game with Bologna. He's, it's his 19th goal of the season in Serie A, his personal best. And he picked up his eighth assist in a Serie A season. Again, his personal best. There just aren't many more words that we can say to describe how brilliant he is.
4: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
3: No, not at all. Just you talk about impact subs and all that. But even now, uh, since Gasparini's been putting him in the starting lineup, he's still making an impact. And uh, I'm glad that he's been doing this with Atalanta uh, because at other clubs such as Sevilla, Santoria and Udinese, um, he was very patchy. When he went to Fiorentina, he had a quick burst and then uh, his form dropped off. So um, at least now with Dea, he's uh, finally really full- fulfilling his potential and we're seeing that maximum output out of him.
2: He still got a quick burst. I couldn't catch him. No,
0: he, he's, there was a, a crazy statistic. <laughs> I don't know if it was about the Champions League or Serie A, either at the end of last season or the beginning of this, where he was in like the top three quickest players in the league because of that burst. You know, he, he can do it for more than I don't know thirty meters, but when he's on it, you, you, there's no catching him. Kev, you you mentioned your team of the week thing. Have you checked your draft at, at any point today?
2: No. Okay, days, right.
0: <laughs> so, there's a surprise waiting in the draft when you open uh, oh, it up. Okay. I got it's a bit excited a this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's Louis Muriel related, shall we say, for sure. Okay. But uh, Vito, one of the most beautiful moments of the match came in the opener. It, Muriel and Malinowski exchange passes. Nice run from Malinowski, really clever around the back. But Muriel's pass into him. Just silly. But Malinovsky again, <laughs> he, he did very well.
3: Yep. Uh, his last month or so has been absolutely sensational. Uh, bef- I never saw Malinovsky play um, before he came to Atalanta. So he's formed with um, Gank and also in the Ukraine. I, I wasn't aware of that. And only I- recently I've reminded myself that he actually scored for Ukraine in 2018 when they drew 1-1 with Italy in Genoa. So yeah, just a few things that, yeah, you know, my knowledge about him was pretty limited. And last season, I always just thought of him as a guy that you could bring off the bench, he'll score a long range beauty and that's it. But in the last month, he showed he's so much more than that. Just his vision, his passing range, the delicacy of how he plays mm-hmm. those passes is such a great contrast to his shooting. It's unbelievable. So, just had a look at his stats again. In the last six games in Serie A, he scored four goals and provided six assists. That's- just his influence now Is that in has been games? incredible. Yeah. And in two of those games, he had two assists each. So,
0: he's in marvellous form. Yeah, they're... They are a silly team, though, Atalanta, right? Because <laughs> these sort of statistics don't really come about with other teams. But they've they've scored, again, they've scored 78 goals in Serie A this season. And there's still quite a, a few games left to go. Again, top scorers in Serie A on, on track to do that for the third consecutive year. And we have to remember... That this Atalanta aren't last season's Atalanta because Josip Ilicic has barely kicked the ball, and when he has this season, he's been largely poor. I know he's he's had his his personal problems and he's had COVID, so you kind of forgive him for his form. And then Papu Gomez is gone. They're doing this without their best. The player who was their best player. And I do still think they miss him. And I'd still have him in there over Malinowski in a heartbeat. But it's a credit to Gasparini and to the likes of Malinowski, um, and Matteo Pessina that they're able to do this. And they've still got Miranchuk, who's nowhere near found his feet yet. Viktor Kovalenko, I think, has played about 90 seconds for Atalanta since arriving in January, and he's quite a promising player too. So next season, when these players have their feet under the table a little bit more, they might just be even more ridiculous. But one thing that we've got to mention, something I'm very, very pleased about, was Hans Hathabor's back, and he, he started. And look, he wasn't amazing, but he's been out for quite a while, since that Milan game, which was in January. So... It's a big boost. It's a shame for them that they're not still in Europe because his return would have given them so much. But Coppa Italia final to come in a month and Hathenboer is back and they're they're on fire. So that's going to be an interesting one when they they take on Juve on May 19th. But Bologna, it's a shame for them. But Kev, I know they're kind of um, your second team in, in Serie A, behind the other Russell Blue, of course, but it doesn't really matter for Bologna, does it? We're kind of at that stage of the season there where there are those teams in mid-table. Basically, from Sampdoria, Verona, Udinese, Bologna and Genoa, you could get anything on any given weekend because their season is basically done.
2: Yeah, although you'd argue that some of them play like that most weeks,
0: <laughs> Udonosa, yeah, <laughs> you know,
2: sure. yeah, yeah, so but, um, but yeah, as we said earlier about Milan's runnings, so those are the sides that you really want to face if you, you know, if you're trying to get into the well, get save yourself in relegation, probably more
0: importantly than decide between a Champions League and a Europa League place. The other teams in the top four, as I said, are Napoli and Juve, but. Before we talk about them, we we mentioned Lazio's match already, but we didn't really talk about Lazio. But they've—that's probably their most convincing win of the season, with the exception of the time they whacked Roma. They're five points off. I mean, the these three Napoli, Juve, and Milan. Kev, do you give them a chance of being in the top four? I do. I do now, considering their game
2: in hands against Torino. Obviously, what we just said about Milan, it does make it difficult that Torino avoided him, but I think they don't I think uh Alistair McKenzie announced today that was yeah, tweeted today that they've announced that it would be played on the 18th of May, which I think is between the last two games of the season. So Torino may even be down by then. So that could be three points for them and they're suddenly on. Well, if they'd had that those these points now they'd be on 64. A win away from Coming into the Champions League places, so they've got plenty to plenty to play for. And they, they, apart from who's it like last week against Napoli or midweek against Napoli, I think they were on five consecutive wins. Mm. Um, now they w- won't keep that going, but if they can avoid defeat for the rest of the season and but turn most of those games into wins, then they've got every chance of sort of sneaking in.
0: They do, and I guess when when you're in such a hot streak. A loss, particularly against a direct competitor, can feel like a bit of a, a bummer. But these things do happen every once in a while, right? You, you can't win relentlessly and just soar into the top four. So it didn't come as too much of a surprise, I suppose. Juve then, I think
2: it will be. Go. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think it will be interesting as well in comparison to last year, where they really fell away towards the end of the mm-hmm. season and you know clung on to Champions League football. Maybe or as they, if they were to do it the other way this year.
0: Maybe they timed it this year. It was a plan. But you look at the the table, and they've lost nine games. And know Napoli have as well, but that is quite a lot, isn't it? To lose a quarter of your games, is that normal? I don't know. But anyway, Vito, you did the report for us for the Fiorentina-Juve game. Juve are fourth on 66 points, level with Milan um, for now. And it, it's hard to know if they're going to have enough to get over the line. It it does kind of seem like it's who throws it away more between now and the end of the season, Juve or Milan, but this was the second half was better from Juve, but it wasn't great, was it?
3: No, it was not. Out of the two teams, I thought Fiorentina's first half was much better, and I think they should have been uh, winning by a lot more than just the one goal. Blau scored from that penalty, but there were numerous chances in open play. Um, Chesney made a couple saves, but he was shaking some moments, so that meant Chiellini had to step up to the plate. Um, the woodwork uh, also helped to uh, save Jurvy's skin a fair bit, and um, yeah, it was just a pity that uh, Fiorentina couldn't get the three points because, especially that first half, they were well in control. The second half, there was a lot of meaningless possession, to be honest, from Juventus. Uh, at, whenever Juan Cuadrado got the ball, they looked like something was going to happen. He he was making his runs. He was direct. He was putting in crosses. He looked like he was doing something. Whereas when players were going down the middle, it didn't look like they were producing uh, a lot of great options. So very disappointing in general. And um, uh, the only thing about Juve getting the point is that... Uh, <laughs> At least Alvaro Morata's goal was sensational. I thought that's probably one of the best goals I've seen Morata score anyway.
0: It was a really, really nice finish. We've got to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo because, look, what I'm about to say is ridiculous. He, He hasn't scored in three games, which, of course, is not a crisis. But this is his, I believe it's his longest drought since his first season with Juve when he he was basically injured, so he didn't score for six of Juve's matches. But it's not that he's not scoring, Kev, it's that he's having these tantrums all of the time. So you see, there was the, the, the post-Genoa thing, obviously, which I believe was the first of the games that he didn't score in. Then after the game against, was it Parma? He kind of stormed off the pitch as well, and just it doesn't look like it's everything's good there and the Italian press picked up on this today as well like all of them which was kind of funny because Corriere della Sera wrote that the team are disjointed without a style without a soul and Cristiano is like a ghost on the pitch who almost looks disinterested in the game and I don't think you can disagree with that but then Gazetta then said Cristiano are you there and Tutosport basically said what a lot of people have been saying, which is that if Juve don't get the Champions League, they won't be able to cover his salary. So he'll probably look for an adventure either with Manchester United again or go to Paris, Paris Saint-Germain. And there were these stories last week where George Mendes is working on a deal to get him back to Old Trafford. And it does kind of just look like it's coming to an unhappy ending. And if it doesn't end, it doesn't look great.
2: Yeah, I think i think sometimes um with cristiano his histrionics over not scoring or not being passed to sometimes are aimed at deflecting the blame away from himself not that you know often he's there's much to blame him for because he he does give so much to any of the sides he's he's, he's um, performed for and but he was he was kind of always known for Having his body so well prepared for this final run in the season, whether it was with you, they, with United, with, with Real Madrid, and obviously that's not that's probably maybe a little bit more difficult this season with the condensed fixture list. But you also wonder, and I'm trying to remember what year this was when he was accused a little in Madrid once they were out of the running for the league title and. You know, possibly out of Europe, so this is going beyond 2018, that he was then sort of preparing his body for either a World Cup or a European Championships, as it were. And I was just wondering whether he's trying to save face by, but, but maybe he isn't. You know, Probably the statistics that you have available to him will show whether he is running as hard, getting into scoring positions as much as he was, or whether he's he's holding a little bit back now, but just trying to save face by throwing his arms up and, and again, probably into knowing that his future may also lie away from Juventus. And now it just, it helps a little bit them to get rid of him, if you like, if he's, looks like he's unhappy there. Should they? Should they get rid of him? Mm. Um, well, financially, I mean, probably they would be better off. Um, you know, the whole Super League issue that kicked off last week. <laughs> The idiocy was that these these owners feel that they can get out of their money trouble, you know, not you know huge money trouble, but the self, fact that they've self
0: inflicted financial trouble. Yeah,
2: well. self self inflicted financial trouble um, by by just generating more money that isn't available. Certainly in a you know pre pandemic world and a market that's just gone up and up and up and has not really sort of found a, a level um, that they should be cutting back. And I think anybody looking to even take Cristiano Ronaldo, however old he is now, they're not going to be offering him huge wages. So, if you're Uva, you can get you can get rid get rid. If you're also, if you're somebody trying to look to buy him, you know I'd still buy him, but not nowhere near the level of salary that he's on at Uva.
3: No, not a chance. After all, he's 36 years old, and uh, the despite- spot being in great shape for the last few years, especially for someone of his age group, um, you wouldn't think he'd have many years left. Don't get me wrong, the talent's still there. And I think if he goes to another top club, um, he can still make a contribution. But it's uh, he's at a stage of his career where he shouldn't really be getting 30 or 31 million euros per season for playing football. Just... Uh, not so much the form, but just, yeah, his age and also the economic factors in general, especially with COVID and and so forth. So I think um, he should be taking a pay cut once he leaves Juventus. And Juventus, in general, I think it'd be best that they do offload him because they have struggled in the Champions League with him still. He hasn't been the man to... Give them that uh, European success, so I think it's best to cut their losses now with him, and also save on his wages, so they can focus on rebuilding other parts of the squad. I don't think uh, the midfield still has been properly addressed. That's been a glaring weakness. They they seem to have uh, enough to replace Bonucci and Chiellini in defence with Demiray and Delict, but. Uh, they might need a better out-and-out strugger than Morata. And uh, you look at the goalkeeping situation, uh, Buffon is 43, and Szczesny seems to be picking up his bad habits again, unfortunately, after looking so good in the first few seasons that he's been with Juventus, So I think it should be about rejuvenation on the squad from now on in for the Bianconeri because you can't win all the time uh, the cycle's ended, try to plan for the new one, but don't expect it to just happen, you know, snap.
2: Yeah, I think lots of people point towards being, being unable to meet some of your salary commitments if you don't qualify for the Champions League. But Vito talks about that squad rejuvenation, and, and that becomes so much harder when you're not in the Champions League. Um not necessarily even with enticing new players to come because usually if the money's there they will commit to a project particularly given the assumption if you're joining Juve that you'll be probably back in the Champions League within 12 months but what you what you have is you have all those all that dead weight that you're looking to offload that don't want to leave because their wages aren't going elsewhere um the clubs that they would go to Generally, know that you they are in a desperate situation because they're not they've not got that Champions League revenue coming in. So then you end up sort of having these players sticking around, or you know paying most of the wages if you send them off loan just to get them out of the building for a, for twelve months, and it became, becomes a really sort of difficult situation to manage for a, for a, probably a season, and I, and I think it will be made worse this summer by the depreciated market because people will not be looking to hand even half of maybe the wages that Juve are playing some of these players particularly those if we look at the people that have come in um for for free so their their salaries are huge because Juve haven't had to pay, you know an initial transfer outlay uh and and people are going to be sticking with what they've got for it for a little while longer
0: you would imagine so it it does seem like it's just a a bit of a mess. Everything's a bit haphazard at UV. Everything, even upstairs. And I've, speaking of haphazard, this po- podcast has been a little bit as well with the way we've approached some of the games. But I just, before we start talking about something Super League related, I do need to just run through all of the weekend's results. So Genoa beat Spezia 2 0 in a derby that's not a derby. Parma lost 4 3 to Crotoni in a crazy game. Another crazy game involving Parma that they couldn't win. Sassuolo beat Sampdoria 1-0. Udinese beat Benevento 4-2. Inter stay top, but what's the point in talking about them? They just keep doing the same thing. Matteo Darmian again scored as they beat Verona 1-0. Fiorentina Juve 1-1. Cagliari beat Roma 3-2. Atalanta 5-0. Bologna 0. Napoli beat Torino 2-0 on Monday evening before Lazio thumped Milan 3-0 themselves. But does Anybody, Kev? You want to talk about Inter? Oh yeah, just really
2: quickly on Inter, because before we came on a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the um the the average position map for Inter against whatever well, Hakimi it was. being
0: their furthest <laughs> forward player.
2: <laughs> yeah, but outside of um open play, I sort of switched over. Um, I think before leaving the house actually, um, to Inter versus Verona. And I just I caught a glimpse of a corner and I saw Lukaku hammering it away. And I thought, well, who's he hammering it to? You know, because he, he's, he's a quick guy. You know, and he's, he's their goal threat. You'd expect him to be the the furthest. For... And I'm, then, I'm, then I realised, like, in the next 15 minutes, they leave Hakimi up for the corners, or at least they did against Hellas, Hellas they Rona. They, <laughs> they literally, he, yeah. And I, I wondered whether there's ever been a scenario where he'd probably be the, the man that's held back in case of a quick break because of his speed. But also, you know, they, they they clearly fear how badly he heads the ball or something from defensive corners. And they were leaving him as the uh, as the man up top on the corner to just found it strange. And then he took that free kick that he hit the post with. And, he's you know, he's got such an attacking threat. I, I still can't believe they got him for 40 million.
0: Yeah, it does seem like a bit of a bargain. I've just sent the, the pass map from... From this week, he's actually a little bit further back than the strikers in this week's performance, but the his position is very, very high up the pitch. It's crazy to see that he's a, a wing back. But what player he is! Anyway, we've got to talk about the Super League because the Italian Federation, the FIGC, have added a clause to their regulations, and it's effectively an anti-Super League clause. So. The president, Gabriele Gravina, this is the FIGC, not Legos Serie A as well, by the way, so it's it's higher up than that. Um, so Gravina came out and said, those who feel they have to participate in competitions not thought, not authorized by the FIGC, FIFA or UEFA will lose their affiliation with the FIGC and those governing bodies. He said, at the moment, we don't have any news on who has remained and who has left the Super League. And he said that this new rule applies to national licenses. It's clear. If by June 21st, someone should want to participate in competitions of a private nature, they will not take part in our league. And what's interesting about this is the new rule was u- unanimously approved by the FIGC council, council which includes Interchief Beppe Marotta, who <laughs> was one of the people involved in the super league's creation so for those of us i think we're in the majority who did not like the idea of the super league this is great news and it's quite a firm stance from the italian federation
2: maybe maratta's morata's voting it in because it saves him the headache of having to go through all this shit again <laughs> <Quite possibly. laughs> and that's what he's that's why he's quite happy, that's why he's quite happy to quite possibly um, Oddly enough, I, I heard um, today that Inter might not have even completed the paperwork. You know, this whole Perez <laughs> saying everybody's in, nobody's actually came out. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. you hearing some of the horror stories of you know red tape and bureaucracy in Italy with you know completing paperwork. Um, but yeah, it is, it is something I think that the um, the, the Premier League are also looking at doing, except for that will be voted for by the clubs. And where it is a one club, one vote, Mm. that's easily going to be passed, even if the six clubs that were, included in the Super League, um, oppose it. Although I don't know if it stretches to what they're saying there, that you'd be chucked out of Serie A and maybe it will go to, there'll be a certain fine or points deductions. But yeah, why not? It it does feel a little bit though, like it's rather to stop this thing that was going to, largely destroy uh, a lot of football you know european football it's just to keep their own you know it's, it's, it's defending it for themselves and it's, it's their insurance policy um whereas rather than this i'd probably prefer something more across the board to again to go back to these sort of financial issues that have kind of brought this about that we had stronger ffp in europe and things and and those, some of those things got resolved rather than associations just building insurance policies into their um their, their whatever that's the, the word. Regulations. Oh. Yeah, regulations, <laughs> yeah, regulate re- regulate the regulatory things. But um yeah, who knows. We were both struggling. Here, they'll, yeah. still mm, they'll still try again. They'll still try again.
3: I wouldn't put it against those clubs just trying to start the Super League again, especially if they still have the current owners as well. So I'm sure they'll want to be in a league of their own, shall we say. But um, I think it's up to Gravina and uh, the federal culture to do things like they've done and uh, try to take a stance because uh, one of the things that uh, most people are up in arms about is the exclusivity of the Super League. We already see with the Champions League how glorified it is from the old European Cup, but the Super League, not only is it further glorified or it's meant to be perceived as glamorous and possessing more glitz, but uh, the exclusiveness of it all just throws people off, and I think that's what kills the spirit of the game. Uh, the modern game is commercialised and and all that, but uh, I think moments like this made a lot of people realise what's good about the traditional aspects, why we fell in love with the game in the first place. So um, I really hope uh, not just uh, the FIGC, but I hope other football administrations, um, they sort of, wake up to themselves and realise that you've got to take a strong stance because the the big clubs, those that went in the Super League, they might have the history, the reputations, the great success. But at the end of the day, one of the reasons they were big is because the others weren't as good. Um, if they go into the Super League, uh, the, on paper, the games might look good, but uh, they would have lost more than they would have been accustomed to. And surely, if you look at a team like Juventus, Especially the chairman Andrea Agnelli, he was a big fan of it, and the club motto is Conta solo vincere," winning's the only thing that counts. You know, with the Europa League considering their squad, I think they'd be changing the motto to Conta solo perdere," losing's the only thing that counts because the record in Europe has shown recently they struggle in Europe, and they would have lost more against those stronger European sides.
2: I think the I think these clubs they they moan that they have to. Um, join a super league or you know former super league because their you know their domestic competition is you know it ha- has has so little value particularly if you you know the, the, they always compare it to the Premier League because of the the TV revenue that the premier League generates but they've got to take a look at themselves and 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 accept that they have they have affected the the, the issues within their own game. You know, like the you know the distribution. Sorry, yeah.
0: How many times this season have teams gone to stadiums for matches that they know aren't happening? So then the TV broadcasters have to show these matches. Like that's not selling your product. Away
2: team still arrived. Away team yet to arrive. It's unbelievable. A waiting, no. Awaiting. A waiting away team. Isn't it? A waiting Is arrival the, uh, of away I go team. To? Yeah. <sighs> But, you know, the, the unequal distribution of revenue that doesn't allow the other clubs to sort of build, hold strong, competitive squads, the stockpiling of youngsters, the owning youngsters and, you know, just loaning those out. So then when, you know, they don't actually have to buy a player off of, say, a Sassuolo or off of a Fiorentina. All these things, if you can address them a little bit with some reforms to the regulation you'd be able to sell Serie A as the brand better but they're too greedy I didn't swear then everyone (laughs) Um, you know because they just want to keep gobbling up as much of the income that comes in and then they argue over oh Serie A is a really weak brand it's like yeah it's because you've made it uncompetitive you have won a title nine years in a row you look at the revenue distribution you know Atalanta Uh, You know, it's a great story. But the problem is you shouldn't have great stories with that vast a disparity between the top earning club and the lesser Mm. earning clubs. Because Claudio Ranieri said it best was that, that, you know, while I, you know, it could still happen, Leicester would never happen, Mm. you know, tin 10 years of a super league being formed. And it's because eventually, while that was a wonderful story and Atlanta Atlanta being second now is a wonderful story. You're, we, we're pushing ourselves further and further and further to that never happening again
0: mm. yeah I, I do think you obviously weren't blaming Juventus for Juventus being so much better than everyone else there but um, no take your point take your point guys we're finished having chats Christian Romero just turned 23 happy birthday to Christian if you're listening We've we've got to play the game because Vito's back, so it's back to the normal game, Kev. Not your personalized game that we've got for when there's only one person on the pod with me. But I won that one though, Vito. Midweek, you did, you I won did well. One. Hang on, right yeah. with a bloody big assist.
2: Well, yeah, because Connor's accent threw me off for a little
0: bit. Basically, Kev Kev had an open goal and hit the post. And I was there on the rebound. And instead of tapping it in myself, I put it on the line for Kev and let him just get down and knock it over with his head. I would have, uh,
2: if if I'd understood that second question, I would have got it on that question. Yeah,
0: right. You would have got it because he did get it when I repeated that one to you. But anyway, we're not here for that game. We're here for the game. So you know the rules. Kev, you start because you're, not very good at it. Two minutes are on the clock. I, I
2: won the last one, I believe. Oh no, I didn't. It was Villa. Gone. On. <laughs> uh, one Go. Uh, are they foreign? Yes. Okay. Uh,
0: it's taking me ten seconds to ask one question. That's good.
2: I know. Um, do they play in a side in the top half of the table?
0: I knew you were going to ask this, so I kept the Serie A table open. No, they don't play for a side in the top half of the table. Are they a team from the south of Italy? They are not from the south of Italy. No. Um, just Kev's just going to do something stupid now, and then Vita's going to come in and get six they, questions they, in a row and get it right.
2: I'm not going. I'm not going regional. Do they play in blue? Nope.
0: Should have gone regional. Eight. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 region, okay. Is it a Fiorentina player? It is a Fiorentina player. Here we go. He's closing in. Okay. <laughs> the um, shark is on is, the hunt. Is it a midfielder? <laughs> no, it's not a midfielder. Is it a defender? It is a
2: defender. Come on, mate. Come on, Kev. Okay. Are they from... Uh, so they're foreign. Are they from South America? Nope. Oh, you see, break I have one in my mind. heart. All right. Is it Nikola Milenkovic? It's not.
0: Nikola Milenkovic no get oh. oh god I'm trying to think of their back line I've got the centre half uh, German Petzella nah no, we've already done him and isn't he Argentine oh, um, oh god yeah that's the one I've, that's have speaking I of Argentines and Spaniards we've got to talk to you in a minute it's <laughs> oh, <yeah, laughs> yeah. your turn oh jeez uh,
3: Fiorentina
0: the... I was shocked Fuhrantina to be honest Fuhrantina. when
3: I saw him Fiorentina defender that's Foreign,
0: mm. 10 seconds. Well, yeah, uh, He's not South American. He's, uh, he's, he's European, guys. You've got five seconds left. Kev, Vito's taking ages here. Or, Someone do something. Is it Awerter? Who, do, who does Awerter play for? Time's up. Uh, I Quartan? don't know who what you're, time you're time talking out? about.
3: No.
0: Martin is Quartas
3: Argentine. Quartas,
2: that's Quartan. it. Yeah, I thought he was South American. He's Martin. Argentine. Quartan. That's where I was going. What's,
0: Kev, do you know that Quartan. Argentina is not in Europe, right?
2: Uh, no, I asked South America, though, didn't
0: I? Yeah, but the answer was no.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, but I asked South... I had him in my head, and I thought, I'll ask if they're South American, because okay. that'll rule out That'll rule out Caceres as well.
3: <laughs> yeah. They got Caceres, Martinez, Cuarta, Petzella, the South
2: then, American. Yeah. Eagle and then South after, American. We'd done, after we'd done... After we done Milinkovic, Petzella, Baraghi's Italian, I thought, well, am I mistaken in the nationality of Cuarta? Uh, Quarta, Quarta. Quarta. Uh, so, yeah. But, but that's who I was thinking. I thought you were going to throw a random out.
0: Who was it in the end? Kevin Malqui. Malqui. Oh, okay. oh Malcui.
3: my God. Yeah. I totally forgot he moved yep. to Fiorentina. You could be forgiven. Has he, he played to...
2: more than you five games him. for them? No, he's not. That should be a new rule next season. Oh,
0: here he comes. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he doesn't get. <laughs> Guys, I don't uh, like winning these games. I like to give you as a challenge, but. <laughs> You, see, what I do is, I think I pick a player and I think, right, that'll be difficult enough to last two minutes, but Vito will get it. <laughs> Vito will get it. But Kev... I would not have got this one.
3: Didn't Kev matter if we went for 5-10. Oh,
0: I don't even know what Kev was doing for the first 30 seconds of that.
3: Strategic pausing.
0: Now, you, is, you uh, were at it yourself there, Vito. Is João Pedro Brazilian or Portuguese? I think he's Brazilian, isn't he?
2: Okay. Well, I, I heard from Vito refer to him as Brazilian and I thought he was Portuguese, but I think
0: Joe Pedro from Coyote. That.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: He's uh, Brazilian. <laughs> he is, because Ben wrote about him being Brazilian. If he's not Brazilian, I've not got okay. a job. Um, yeah, he played yeah, for he's...
3: Santos with Neymar. I think.
0: He is Brazilian. Oh, uh, I've got a question for the two of you. Where is Joaquin okay. Correa from? Uh, i thought he was spanish you did think he was spanish um, <laughs> no oh, really? he's argentine um there you go no is it That's i thought <laughs> I th- that was um i think you're doing what i do all the time which is i always think he's an Ange- ang- angel yeah. <laughs> yeah i always get them confused so when i'm writing about atleti i write joaquin correa and when i'm writing about lazio i say angel correa but of course it's the opposite. Um, See, I thought Angel Correa, Correa was Argentinian about, and Jockin was Spanish. Angel Correa no, they're both Argentine. Is, is also Argentine.
3: They're both Argentine.
0: Wait there, let me roll. <laughs> the old, You're just going to uh, look at the Google same Google's Wikipedia page that we're all looking at, Kev. Yeah, I know, but at least i trust my own eyes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, no, my contacts are in.
0: Uh, Atleti's was born in, in Rosario, yeah,
2: yeah. Isn't messy from okay. there. I think it might. I think it's probably just because I saw him. I was so impressed with him watching him for Sevilla against Liverpool a few times. Mm. But uh, anyway, got it stuck in my head that he's Spanish. I am. Um, well, it's not as bad as the. Um, you get abuse when you get the. Um, I think we've said this before. You get the Balkan nation. So
0: yeah, time, but I can, I can understand that. I can understand that. I always say that Theo Hernandez is Spanish. Because his name is Spanish and he came from Real Madrid. French. There you go. But...
2: I always just say shit.
0: Oh. <laughs> say goodbye, <laughs> Kev. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye, Peter.
3: <laughs> goodbye.
0: <laughs> You've got us in trouble that one.